Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Desperate January loan signings, proper football men whinging, and matches earning themselves their own Wikipedia pages. This is what will definitely, probably, happen in the Premier League in 2020-21. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Welcome back to part two of what will happen in the Premier League in 2020-21. We've already covered opening day cliches and indeed the sack race. But here we are at the business end of the forthcoming Premier League season. Into the new year then. Uh, Charlie, I feel like this is where we begin to assess our transfer flops. I think they get till January to prove themselves in the Premier League. And after that, they're very much on their own. I'm putting one out there straight away. I think Thiago Silva at Chelsea. I, I can I can picture him sort of looking a little bit like, what the hell have I come into here? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I when I think of those kind of January transfer flops, I do think about often foreign signings and then it starts mm. to leak out that they, they don't like the weather, they don't like <laughs> the food and it's kind of, you know, held against them. I mean, yeah, Thiago Silva, I, I, I don't know. I feel like he, he's maybe a bit more, um, I don't know, been around the block. I'm not raging against the fragile continental um imports <laughs> here i'm just i'm just saying there's very little precedent for a 35 almost 36 year old center half coming into the premier league at the very top and 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 looking at home basically mm, yeah the the laurent blanc is uh the other the, the that's one. all i can think what of think? yeah nick i guess transfer flops there's more of a focus really on strikers not scoring and I think you can only really become a transfer flop officially when someone posts a heat map of you just simply taking the kickoff with a big burning circle in the middle of the pitch. That has become the emblem of a, a striking transfer flop, hasn't it? Yeah, and uh, you've also got, say, you know, X player is signed for £50 million and has scored two goals. It will then be compared to X to, to Y striker who was signed for £10 million and has scored nine goals. And, yeah, I love oh, the you know, arithmetic. Yeah, the 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 there'll be maths done, and it will be proved <laughs> that the club who spent fifty million pounds should actually have spent the ten million pounds on the player that was actually mm. good. You idiots! 
I don't know what the prevailing market conditions mean for the for the January window in particular, Charlie. But um, I feel like we're still set for it for someone to make a kind of surprise, desperate, decadent loan signing in <laughs> in January just to kickstart the season. Uh, by all, with all those words, I mean West Ham. Everton have kind of jumped the gun a little bit with this because they're getting Hammers Rodriguez, which sounds very January to me. So they've jumped the gun on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's got West Ham written all over it, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think of like West Ham, Samir Nasri uh, yes, a couple of years of ago. Can can they re-sign him? Fond memories of Pato at Chelsea as well, which is yes. just surreal now I look back on it. It feels like um, West Ham will inevitably, so th- this kind of cadre of um, slightly failed Premier League players that Antonio Conte seems to be gathering at uh, Inter, who have mm. you know then turned out to be quite good. It feels like West Ham will sign one of them in January. Don't know oh yeah, might Ash- be Ashley. Yeah, Ashley, Ashley, might, Ashley might be Young. Ashley, yeah, it might be him. Ashley Young. It might be um, Alexander Kolarov, perhaps. Oh, who's, say, is, uh, and has he not played for West Ham? No, he, I, I don't. I don't think he has. But um, wow. it, it, it just struck me that you know, Inter signing Kolarov to compete with Young, uh, Ashley Young, <laughs> for the left wing back berth is a sort of is a collection of words that you know I didn't think we'd be familiar with at this point. I mean, Victor Moses should yeah. could well be heading to West Ham oh, in January, my couldn't he? Goodness me, yes. Yeah. Again, I think he's already played for them, but he hasn't. Uh, but you've both picked up an, a perfect subgenre of the January transfer window, which is kind of returning Premier League, um, kind of not even cult heroes, but people who have just come back and said, right, I've done my stint abroad, I'm back, I'm safe, everything's fine, I'm back in the Premier League, you can count on me. That's I do enjoy those little January gambles. Um, into February, though, and I've um, given the relative stress the country is under, I feel like it, maybe February is a overestimation, Nick, of when proper football men on TV are going to start whinging about things. Um, what do you think their bugbear will be this season? I'm going for I'm going for expected goals is finally going to start to annoy one of them. And by by one of them, I mean soonest or short goal kicks. Uh, yes, possibly. The expected goals thing, I, I suppose there's slightly um, less chance of someone exploding about that on uh, on uh, TV somewhere, given the changes at Soccer Saturday. You know, mm. your Thompsons oh, and yes. your Letissiers and so on have, uh, have been shifted out. So there's, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose there's a lot of pressure on Paul Merson to um, come <laughs> up with something there. That's um, a very good point, actually. Uh, do you think um do you think the, the new soccer saturday panel whoever it becomes once they finish their business presumably going about their business quietly in the transfer window are they going to take some time to gel nick <laughs> well almost certainly yeah i mean you know that the, the mercer's got a, a, a he's got a gel with you know whoever whichever sort of young and vibrant ex player that they they're bringing in and um you know who knows whether the, there will still be the chemistry the right chemistry there i hope they're practicing their giggling and chuckling in the background which is um, which is par for the course with, with Soccer Saturday. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how that panel comes together. Um, Charlie, other suggestions for um, proper football men whinges that we might see this season? Tom Park says um, the obsession, current obsession with goalkeepers um, coming off their line at penalties, which is... Uh, which tallies with, I think this might be this season's clampdown. Every season has to have a clampdown, and and this appears to be it. Referees are now instructed to be very, very strict about goalkeepers coming off their line at penalties. How thrilled are you by that prospect? (laughs) 
Well, and adding another layer of excitement to that, there's, there'll probably be a, a VAR confusion because I feel like the rules have been changed there on whether VAR can or can't rule about a goalkeeper coming off their line. So I'm imagining there'll be a confusion and then a lot of people on Twitter explain, you know, linking to the IFAB yeah. rules or whatever it is, saying, like, <laughs> well, no, the, the VAR actually couldn't have intervened on that occasion. Uh, and then it being changed and there being much excitement. New lease of life for toenail chat, at least. I can't wait for that. Sam offers this perennial favourite, which is how long it will take a linesman to put his flag up after an offside. Pundits really, really don't like any delay with this. I, I know we've spoken about this before, but it's it's the most baffling little bugbear of football pundits, Nick, um, that is linesmen taking ages to put their flag up. Well, it interrupts the flow of the game. It's, it's all about sort of speed and passion in this country, isn't it? The, the you know taking so long to put. Uh, yeah, I mean, who cares? It doesn't it doesn't matter in the slightest. I don't think the annoyance is the delay of the game. I, I honestly think it's it's the, the leap flag is essentially three or four seconds of them living a lie, and they hate being they hate mm. the misinformation of it. So wow, I was getting excited, and then the linesman's ruined it all by putting his flag up late, despite that being probably a quite good technical thing. So um, it's, a, it's but, really yeah, because there's. There's then the quite sweet um, like clarification from a Martin Tyler or whoever saying like, well, the linesmen have been instructed that with VAR or with this law change to keep their flags down. And obviously by that point, the COCOM is way beyond the point of you know caring. Keezy wading in with his almost <laughs> monthly dig at referees chief Mike Riley to give him his yeah, name. Yeah, I love that, that rivalry. It's set to define a generation. What did he do to him? It also sort of widens, the, 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 the late flag widens the window of time for um, one of the kind of perhaps slightly cruel, but one of the most undeniably uh, excellent sort of common things in football, which is striker who has scored a goal, but then belatedly realises it's been ruled out for offside. You know, he's, he's tucked it away, uh, he's run off and celebrated, and suddenly it's offside, and he looks crestfallen. And, well, I mean, I suppose that might lose, lose something about fans as well. There's no There are no fans in the ground to make that ah noise mm. that you only ever hear at football grounds and on school playgrounds it's just not football nick it just won't be football this podcast is brought to you by manscaped the expert in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels and manscaped has just launched in the uk we've gone years without using the right tools for the job so you could be one of the first men in the country to experience manscaped life-changing products their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving! We can't let February pass, Charlie, without references to Valentine's Day. Um, let's run through the tick boxes here. Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. Like, at what point did that stop being acceptable? <laughs> because I rem- I do remember, like, in the mid-90s, you would hear that quite, you know, mm. a, a 5-0 win would be described as a Valentine's Day massacre. I don't <laughs> think you could get away with that now, could you? Is this, this is like Partridge when he, when he talks about Sunday Bloody Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, it's Sunday. Bloody Sunday. Why are you watching I, that again? I, 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 I don't know. I feel like that now, 
and probably for a little while now has not really been acceptable. I like the idea of someone saying Valentine's Day Massacre and then a kind of slightly sombre co-commentator or something then explaining what the St. Valentine's Day Massacre actually was. <laughs> Alan Smith. Just, Alan Smith will do that. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess there could be references to cards from referees, or oh, that sounds a bit naff. Um, I, I imagine... No love we will lost get... between these two teams. Oh, very that good, kind of very like... good, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We will definitely see that clip of Yanaga Fjortoft and Tim Flowers kissing each other in the middle of a game from about 1993. That's, that, yeah, little, little clips of footballers showing each other love. Um, that will do the job. So that's Valentine's Day taken care of. Or even can just be like the outro montage music could, yeah. you know, be, be kind of related to, to love in some way. Mm, very much so. Into March. And I feel this is the appropriate time for a certain particular type of controversy to rear its ugly head, Charlie. Darren Leithley says there's always seemingly a handshake gate. And this might only get worse with the introduction of Frank Lampard's code. Now, Frank Lampard has uh, has apparently got this code of conduct that he believes managers should share. And uh, on 13th of March, funnily enough, he goes to Elland Road where he'll meet Marcelo Bielsa for the second time of the season. Um, potential for handshake gate there? Oh, yeah. I mean, wasn't it Mark Hughes who was kind of the king of the the handshake? Absolute the, godfather of the handshake gate. Yeah. And no that, one has won their hand shaken more than mm. Mark Hughes. But um, Bielsa and Lampard have obvious history. And I just... I just I think it will be the most, as things stand, it will be the most scrutinised handshake of the Premier League season. Yeah, probably. I can't think, and without a Hughes, I can't think of who who would be. The, <laughs> I mean, would like a Chris Wilder? I mean, I imagine that sort of thing would, you know, he's a man of integrity, and that sort of thing yeah. might bother him. Yeah, but I also can't think who wouldn't want to shake hands with Chris Wilder. He's such yeah, a it's true. But um, but Nick, I mean. Uh, Handshake gate aside, Bielsa and Lampard's kind of touchline body language could be quite an interesting one because I don't think Lampard would have the balls to go for the patronising headbutt on on Marcelo Bielsa. Similarly, I don't think Bielsa's going to be too up for the pantomime of it. So he, we, we could be just be due a perfunctory handshake and that's it. Yeah, the, the, the thing I'm quite looking forward to about this is that, you know, as packages are prepared in sort of dark corners of Sky or BT or something like that, <laughs> of, of, you know, so what the animosity between them, remember Spygate, and then there'll be a clip of um, Frank Lampard singing in the, the Derby dressing room uh, after they beat Leeds because someone in that room will will be hesitating before pointing out that actually these who have played each other since the handshake thing <laughs> and it, it broadly went off without without incident it was fine yes, don't, worry, but, don't worry about it but, but that was outside of the premier league universe and nothing else counts let's please remember that um uh, craig blackhall raises a very interesting point here he says i uh, wonder if the elbow touch era will signal the death of the handshake controversy because maybe in march we're still you know punching fists and touching elbows I don't think you can ever elbow touch gate, can you? I mean, can you imagine sort of Mark Hughes running down the touchline saying, touch my elbow, <laughs> you bust. You know, this is what we do in this country, we touch elbows. That would be the best possible handshake gate I can think of. It could even lead to, to sort of more controversy because someone will forget and they'll go in for the handshake and then the more sort of um, kind of con- socially conscious or someone manager will go, no, no, we can't shake hands, we've got to touch elbows. But then the other guy will misinterpret that as someone refusing to shake hands hands and it could all get very very messy yeah i just i i, I fear at least for this season at least i fear for the kind of two managers who know each other quite well or one used to play under under the other having that really long lingering embrace in front of the camera just before kickoff where we, nobody knows whatever said in those little clinches and um maybe maybe that's the death of that also in march the concept of crisis clubs oh. 
That's right, Charlie. Crack badges ahoy. I feel like March is where crisis clubs really come to the fore. Uh, uh, listener Jay, all over the shop, which I presume is his real name, says a team will lose dismally and they'll get spotted having a team night out. It's like fans think they should go into mourning for three days afterwards. Give me the kind of tick boxes for for Crisis Club. Like, I mean, I feel like it's it's slimmer than it used to be, but what are we looking for I, here? I feel like the March, for Crisis Clubs, it's when they start sleepwalking towards relegation. And <laughs> you will hear about how the culture at the club is sort of rotten from top to mm. bottom. You know, they're, they're, uh, there's complacency there. There's been... Tools down. Uh, tools, tools down. down. There's been... There's been mismanagement from the very top for a number of years yeah. now. Um, oh, and we're, we're obsessed with recruitment now. We, we call it recruitment. Yeah, their recruitment's all wrong at their club. Their recruitment is it's just a shambles, isn't it? The recruitment. It, it's out of date. You know, they, they barely have enough scouts. Um, <laughs> they it, don't know, even do video ant- analysis, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, yeah. yeah, I think of all of those sort of things, this, um, yeah, this out-of-touch club who have... It's mm. been coming to them for a while, and now the chickens mm. are coming home to roost. I'm basically thinking Sunderland. The Crisis Club uh, the and the reasons behind the Crisis Club, it's always kind of sort of retroactively um sort of applied so okay. for, so for example the 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 uh, scouting by video or uh, um a reliance on analysis if a team has signed a load of players through that and they do really well uh, well it's because they've got this forward thinking progressive recruitment <laughs> strategy but if all those players turn out to be rubbish it's you know the the fiddly numbers men and you know the mm. boffins with spreadsheets have, have put this squad together so no it's no it's no shock that they're stone bottom of the table in march they've only got 12 points yeah that's really true and, and the flip side of that obviously if it does go well with a seemingly quite antiquated system it's like well yeah because they've got a human touch they've got someone who you know properly <laughs> understands football no potential crisis club leaps out for for march i mean chelsea have a lingering potential for crisis at all times West Ham, I think, do yeah, a good... West Ham. And, and, I mean, it was March when they had that uh, fans on the pitch in the Burnley game, wasn't it? So, you know, mm. I feel they're, they're, they've got to be in the mix for March crisis. Yeah, club. I think with, with Watford out of sight... I, I still forget that Watford got relegated. I think, yeah, with Watford mm. out of the way, West Ham are pretty much clear as, as the crisis club. I mean, Newcastle, Newcastle potentially, but then they, they're a bit too... It's a bit too sad there to be crisis. Um, but, yeah one to watch by march we'll know i guarantee into (laughs) april and by which time i think we'll be well overdue um two things really um given the condensed schedule we you know a lot of midweek action so i I think we'd by then we'll be due a kind of four four barnstormer of a midweeker under the floodlights where just everything goes out the window nick i feel like it's been too long since we had a premier league game that has its own wikipedia page What's I mean? I, I sense that you're the sort of connoisseur of this kind of thing. What criteria does a game have to have to have its own Wikipedia page? Is it just the high, a really high-scoring one, or does there have to be some kind of you know disgraceful incident or something to go well, with as well? A Premier League game, an, an individual Premier League game having its own Wikipedia page is essentially an updated version of someone saying this game has had everything. <laughs> and um, when people say everything, they mean at least four goals. Yeah. At least one red card. One of those goals needs to be an own goal as well. Uh, <laughs> one disallowed goal. This is like choosing from an a la carte menu, like a tapas menu. Um, maybe a, a manager sent... goal or a spectacular goal. Do you think quality comes into it? Maybe it does. I feel like I... there should be one goal that gets the crowd off their seats, or okay. and, and even gets the neutrals at home off their seats. Yeah, I get. Uh, you're probably right. It shouldn't be too calamitous. It shouldn't be comedy. This isn't slapstick. Mm. Um, it should be. It should have drama. There, I guess there should be something at stake. Um, in the bigger picture, maybe a manager sent to the stands. 
Um, horror injury? No, man, that's a bit too harsh, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, this is a this is an apt opportunity for us to have a little quiz. Charlie, you're going to go first here. Name me a Premier League match that has its own Wikipedia page. Uh, I would guess Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3 in 96. Correct. Nick. Uh, Manchester United 8, Arsenal 2. Correct. Charlie. Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3, 97. <laughs> no. Oddly <sighs> enough. Because what you've done here is you've fallen foul of the structure of Wikipedia, which, of course, um, as you can imagine, uh, that one just falls into the aftermath section of the first uh. one. It doesn't count. So it doesn't strictly have its own Wikipedia page. Because I guess the first one is the, it's like, I don't know, it's like Jurassic Park and, and the sequels. Um, you know, the first one is really the, the, the flagship for this. But in summary, you're wrong, and Nick has a chance to go 2-1 ahead with his next guess. Um... Portsmouth 7, Reading 4. Correct. Even I'd forgotten about that one. The lesser spotted the team shared 11 goals game. <laughs> uh, Charlie, if you don't get this, by my hastily assembled rules, you have lost. Okay, I'm going to go Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, 2011. Incorrect. Really? Well, at least I'm according not to myself up for that. I think that's according to the supposedly exhaustive list um, that I'm looking at. Um, the, the six is it the six one? Did you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's not there. Here, here is what you could have won. Um, the two most obvious ones are the Battle of Old Trafford, which is um, Keown descending from the skies mm. on Van Nistelrooy. Um, no one ever calls it the Battle of Old Trafford, of course, but that's what Wikipedia says it's called. Um, even uh, even more tenuous nicknames: Battle of the Buffet. Yeah, which is the which is also known as Pizzagate, which I think it is yeah. actually called. Fair play. Um, you could have had Manchester Manchester United four, Manchester City three. That was the one where Mike uh, Lowen yeah. scored that last the minute Mike winner Lowen, yeah. and did that really annoying um, dancing through the back of the goal net, which always looks like it's really ill advised, but actually is quite funny. Um, uh, so there's that one. You could have had Manchester. Oh no, you, you had the eight two. Uh, you could have had Man United nine, Ipswich Town nil. That's got its own Wikipedia page. You could have had Nottingham Forest one, Manchester United eight. Oh God! How, how did I? The, the, presumably the only one on this, well, one of the only ones on this list that I would have been at as well. Oh. Ah, shame. And last of all, Southampton nil, Leicester nine. Ten, ten, ten matches. The, the Battle of Old Trafford presumably the only nil-nil draw to have its um, own Wikipedia page. Was it nil-nil? It, it was, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yes, so that was a game that didn't have everything because there weren't any goals. Yeah. Um, fair play for having, fair play for getting a nil-nil onto Wikipedia. But um, that's what Martin Keown jumping on Van <laughs> back uh, does for an occasion. Anyway, that was fun, wasn't it? That was good fun. Harry's sponsors Football Clichés, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five precision-engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. As a listener of Football Clichés, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. 
Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel, and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash football cliches right now. That's harrys.com forward slash football cliches. Into the final month of the season, who knows what will have happened between now and May. But one thing's for sure, there's going to be a title race and a relegation fight going on, presumably. Uh, Nick, I'm going to annoy you. A certain set of fans here but I'm, I'm gonna have to say it West Brom are getting relegated and do you know why because they're sponsored by ideal boilers and you just and you just don't have that in the Premier League you can't have a boiler you can't have ideal boilers in the Premier League well I mean the, the thing you're you really are forgetting here is that along with ideal boilers comes the ideal boiler man the the yes. the finest mascot that will be in the Premier League <laughs> this year, although even, although uh, and I don't want to get too technical here as the author of um, what will loosely be described as a book on uh, mascots, <laughs> the Ideal Baller Man is not the official mascot of uh, I was West Brom. Say, yeah. yeah, Baggy Bird is still the official mascot, and uh, Ideal oh, Baller Man is. So and I would just advise um, all listeners to this podcast to check out the Ideal Baller Man's uh, Instagram page because it is, <laughs> it's quite a thing and it involves him seducing a middle-aged woman named Marjorie. So I'd recommend My you all goodness. check that out. On the other hand, in, in support of West Brom and Ideal Boilers, they have brought the um, compliment of uh, Premier League shirt sponsors that you can touch with your hands back up to two. Because Chelsea no longer sponsored by Yokohama Tyres, but they are now sponsored by a mobile phone provider, but not a manufacturer, which brought us back down to one. Ideal Ballers bring us back to two. If George Corkin is listening, uh, American Express still does not count as something you can hold with your hands. It is a financial provider. It is not strictly the credit cards that are the crux of their business. And that is my final decision. So it all boils down to the big question for, for, for the business end of the season, Charlie. You first. Come on, neck on the line. Who is going to finish 11th? <laughs> uh, Who are the most mid-table team? Without thinking, my mind goes to Palace or Burnley. Um, my first instinct was Palace, so I'll go them. Okay. They scream Nick? 11th to me. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think... <laughs> oh, this is, I mean, this is the sort of prediction that you really want to get right, don't you? Um, I think Sheffield United won't be quite as good as last season, won't, but obviously won't be um, kind of down in the relegation scrap either. So I'm going to go Sheffield United. Interesting. Interesting. I uh, think they could be lower than 11th. I think they could have a yeah. bit of a, a second season dip. I, I'm i going for Leeds and I'm going to show you my working because I think they're going to have a storming start to the season and they're going to be sort of... Um, talked about in as we naively do every single season about getting into the Champions League despite there being why couldn't they get in the there. Champions League yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, the way they're playing um, who's going to want to play them right now yeah. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, they're a bit like the um, Zaki Puki effect they're going to have a team equivalent of the, of the Zaki Puki and sort of gently parachute back down to 11th a bit like Sheffield, Sheffield United last season where they missed out on Europe in the end just, but are still deemed to have had a very very good season so it, it feels like judging a team season in, in that context is always very kind of top heavy you always judge them by what they did in the first half no matter how much it petered out. Uh, and petering out is what this podcast is going to have done because <laughs> we have reached the end of our theoretical crystal ball of the 2020-21 Premier League season. Charlie, we're not going to have to watch it now because we've, we've decided what's going to happen. Isn't it great? 
have saved everyone a lot of heartache, including yeah. Crystal Palace fans and and or Sheffield United leads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've ruined it for them, that's for sure. Nick, uh, presumably we could have done a uh, what's going to happen in the championship in 2020-21, but you, who, can, who can predict that? Anyone can beat anyone down there. It's the it's the best league in the world, isn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, it's so unpredictable. What japes yeah. could happen this season? Um, all, I, all I ask is that there is no more crushing heartbreak for Nottingham Forest. Can't promise that, I'm afraid. Thank you both for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Enjoy the season. Cheers, Charlie. Thank you very much. And thank you, Nick. Thanks, Adam. Bye, everyone.